0: Star Wars 7x7, episode 3009. We're catching up to Andor in real time. Today, we're going to be talking about Aldani, which is episode four of the Andor series, and here with our seven takeaway breakdown of the episode. Punch it! Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So I have a bit of patron news. I want to give a shout out to Max, who is a new patron of the podcast from Australia, which is super awesome. And Phil, who was previously a patron of the podcast and has become a patron of the podcast again. I'm so grateful to the two of you for your support of the show. Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Boyvat, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. Before we begin, a couple of quick patron notes, I want to say thank you to Max from Australia who became a patron of the podcast and Phil who had previously been a patron of the podcast and became a patron once again. Max and Phil, thank you so very much for supporting me in the work I'm doing on this podcast. And for everyone else listening who is not yet a patron of the show, if you value what I've been doing here, whether you've been listening for a couple of weeks or a couple of years or all 3,000 episodes, whatever the case may be, if you would like to help me keep putting this podcast on, it's free, it's always going to be free, but there are costs and there's time and there's all that stuff. So if you would like to help support me in getting this podcast out to as many fans as possible, I hope you will consider joining at Patreon.com/slash seven x seven again. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash s w seven x seven. All right, let's talk Aldani, which is the name of our fourth chapter. And it's also something that appears in the databank on StarWars.com for Cassian's entry. There's a thing about him having to perform a job on Aldani. And you know, that planet is named in particular. And I can't imagine we're going to be spending the rest of the episodes on Aldani. It seems like, just based on what they presented to us, that they're going to be done with it in the next three-episode block of this, of which this is the first one. And I guess I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so why don't I start by saying the first thing, since we were talking about flashbacks as the first thing when we were doing our breakdowns of previous episodes, we'll just cover the whole flashback situation in this one, which is to say that there isn't one, however... Cassian tries to sell Luthen a story about his past, which is that he had just gotten out of prison at age 16 and was sent to Mimban and had to fight for two years, and he was one of only 50 survivors, and they (laughs) were fighting against each other, apparently. Well, Luthen calls him on this nonsense and says, yeah, you were only there for six months and you were a cook, and the only reason you survived is because you ran. So that's more proof that Luthan has done his homework when it comes to Cassian Andor, or Cassianander, as he likes to say. And I don't think this necessarily validates or invalidates what we were talking about on yesterday's episode as far as how old Cassian may be and whether what we've been told is a lie, a cover story, what have you, because... All we know out of it from Luthen is that it was the Empire having people fight against each other, and we don't necessarily know whether Cassian was actually coming out of prison. We don't know how old Cassian was when he arrived in Mimbam. We only know that he was there for six months, according to Luthen, and I think we're more inclined to believe Luthen at this rate than we are to believe Cassian. All right, so the second thing that we'll talk about is the sales pitch for real. So we were talking in previous episodes about the fact that the sales pitch that Luthien gives to Cassian wasn't necessarily complete in the sense that we've seen other things in trailers and teasers and little spots on social media and whatnot, where Luthien is giving more of a speech about, you know, don't you want to fight them for real and just give it all for something real. And then we get a little bit more about instead of just cutting pieces off right that sort of thing so we get the full pitch from Luthan and it's also a very specific pitch because it's a big stakes big payoff job that he wants Cassian to take part in and he's willing to pay him 200,000 credits for it so basically he's turning Cassian into a mercenary for this mission now this could be a test as much as anything for Cassian with Luthan putting him into a team where he doesn't know the people but Luthan certainly seems to have at least some level of trust in Cassian by giving him him this kuwadi signet which is blue kyber apparently now we're taking Luthen and his word for this as well but there seems to be reason to do that again but on the other hand luthan tells his rebel contact vel that cassian is disposable since we're talking about this job let's jump to the third thing then which is the job and also the setup for what appears to be the next three episode block of the andor series it does look like we're on a path to have the next three episodes, four, five, and six of the Andor series be kind of similar in their structure to the first three episodes in that we are getting our inciting incident situation and starting to set up up a new showdown and then our second episode is very likely going to be table setting putting all the pieces into place and then our third episode will be the actual execution of the whole action sequence so we're going to have everybody in place for this break-in into the Aldani garrison and then episode six will be the actual events of the break-in and how they managed to pull off this heist meanwhile for our fourth takeaway we finally get our first scenes with mon mothma which are very well tied into scenes that we've seen in teasers and trailers and whatnot and it expands on what's been going on we find out that mon is in fact working with Luthen rail and that she's trying to get money for him to support his endeavors but that it is becoming increasingly difficult for her to do so and that she is feeling like she's under siege that there are new faces at the bank that she's just having more trouble moving things around than she used to and it seems like there are spies everywhere and new people in the senate all the time we also get a glimpse of mon mappa's home life including an introduction to her husband perrin and kudos to the actor playing perrin because yucky character well executed. I do not like Perrin at all. He's definitely just self-interested and not at all into the things that Mon Mothma is into, and yeah, he's just a tool, and I don't like him. But we also understand through this scene that Mon's work in public is continuing. She is still trying to hold the Empire to account for the atrocities that it's committing, at least in a very you know, the low-key way basically the only way that she can really get away with it and you know as she's said in teasers and trailers that you know if they just see her as in irritation they'll miss what she's really doing right so yeah that's the irritation situation she's trying to deal with situations like the you know cutting off of the trade routes that she talked about hey trade route talk which I think is actually fascinating and I'm glad they brought it in to the situation I feel like there might be a segment of viewers who go trade roads no but honestly i'm glad to see it and speaking of introductions for our fifth takeaway we get our introduction to deidre miro and that full scene inside the imperial security bureau where everybody is briefing major partigas about what's going on in their particular sectors i gotta say my initial reaction of this was not so much that people seemed incompetent necessarily like not necessarily in the way that i you know thought i was hearing about in interviews leading up to and or instead it seems like it's just a bureaucracy more than anything else and certainly major partagas seems very efficient and competent but miro has some experience that it seems like a lot of these other isb officers do not because she came from enforcement according to the conversation that she has with major partagas and that She had done very well there and that she has the potential for a uniquely superior career, I believe, is more or less how Partigas put it. So she's definitely getting high marks for her involvement so far. She's only been with the ISB for just over a year, we find out. But the difference seems to be that whereas everybody has their own bureaucratic stuff to follow, she is coming at it from that enforcement perspective and she's got hunches. She's got gut instincts. She's seeing patterns developing and things and things that there are thefts happening of imperial stuff to help build an organized rebellious effort. And she's not wrong. Pardigas for his part is kind of acting like the, you know, old exasperated police chief kind of trope where he's like, you gotta give me more evidence before we can do something. And if there is anybody who's gonna be able to do that, it's certainly Deidre Miro, it seems. And also kudos to the actor playing Pardigas for a great monologue with the, you know, we're not doing surveillance and this stuff, we're healthcare workers, we're identifying disease, right? That whole monologue, very well done. For a sixth takeaway, we'll talk about the consequences for the Preox Morlana Authority, and they're as bad as they could possibly have been. So Cyril really, really blew it to the point where they're done basically <laughs> the empire is now officially taking over the whole preox morlana situation the whole morlana system and the chief and cyril and linus mosk are being thrown out and sent away the isb officer talks about how his files are full of corporate security screw-ups but this one takes the cake and so cyril has to go back to coruscant and seems like he's moving in with his mother the more on that in a quick second but yes the comeuppance happens and like I said it is as bad as it could possibly have been Cyril just basically by ignoring his supervisor just destroyed the whole corporate authority once and for all. So, wow, what a job that was. And finally, the seventh takeaway, which is just a little fun fact thing, has to do with the audio description by Jedediah Barton for the episode. So yes, I do listen to that and we've talked about that on the podcast from time to time, but. Jedediah Barton's descriptions are very straightforward, except for, for this first time, at least as far as ones that I've heard him doing, when Cyril arrives at his mother's house and the mother opens the door and she slaps him out right like first of all I burst out laughing when that happened because it was just so unexpected and it was apparently unexpected for Jedediah Barton as well because his delivery on the audio description script he goes she slaps him and it's actually infused with emotion like he is just as surprised as everybody else was by the scene and you can hear it in the narrative description and i just thought that was pretty fun now you'll notice that we haven't talked a lot about luther rail in this episode and the reason why is because we're going to talk a lot about him on tomorrow's episode our deep dive is going to focus on luther rail cuz man he threw us a few curveballs in this episode <laughs> but for now that is going to do it for our seven takeaway breakdown of Aldani, which is chapter four of the Andor series, and that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be.